Um, welcome to uh, MobyPod that we're doing live, which is cool. So we're celebrating the release of Resound NYC. So we're going to be doing a lot of very different things that will surprise you, like such as talk. You're not surprised by that. Um, but also, when you least expect it, Moby's going to sing a song. Um, and this is Maya. As you can tell, she is going to play the cello for us today. So you I found know, your notes. Yeah, I know we have a run of shows that you've put together. Well, yeah. Can I ruin it already? Moby! Because <laughs> there's one thing, that, there's one sort of bit that you wanted to do, the finish the lyric one. Oh, yeah, no, I do want to do that. So can we just do that now? Because I'm... Because you're excited about it? Yeah, I, I, I came up with... So it's this thing that Lindsay and I do where... Because I don't know anything about contemporary music, and Lindsay is a young person, and I'm very old. I'm not that so, young. <laughs> so anything sort of made before... You were born in, what, like 1990-something? 1985. 1985. So anything before that, there's a good chance you wouldn't know very well. There's a chance. But... My father um, was anti-music in the house. It was a very <laughs> footloose-type situation. So... Yeah, so we play this game. It's called Finish the Lyric, where Lindsay takes some contemporary pop song that clearly I've never heard before, and she will say the first line of the song and ask me to finish it. And then in turn, I will pick a song that perhaps I grew up with and have a lyric and ask you to finish it. Yeah. So <laughs> who wants to go first? I, I feel like I don't want you to have to wait any longer, so you can go first. Okay, so finish, <laughs> Lindsay, finish this lyric. Okay. It's, by the way, this is a, and it's very germane because the person who wrote it died recently. Um, it mm. was a massive hit song, like unbelievably huge hit song. And it's also an especially strange hit song because it had no drums and no chorus. So here's the opening, and I want you to Ugh. finish it. Ready? Okay. The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gichigumi. What do I have? Why don't you just go with what? What? What do you think? I just it, say what the next word is. Just no, no. Finn, like, what do you? What would? What do you want the next line to be? And then I'll tell you what it is. I'm sorry. Could you say the last bit of it one more time, please? The legend lives on from the. First of all, this is as far as pop music lyrics. Imagine someone. Imagine Harry. Yeah, imagine Harry Styles that. having a song that goes, "The legend lives on from the Chippewa on down of the big lake they call Gitchigumi." And then probably the next lyric would be like. I'm in my boat, and look at me, I'm in a boat. <laughs> <laughs> so then it goes, and this is, it goes to Lake Erie, it said, never gives up her dead when the skies of November turn gloomy. I was going to guess that. <laughs> so Gordon Lightfoot, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, this song terrified me when I was growing up because that's scary. It's about a bunch of guys on an iron ore boat that gets swamped by a storm and they die. And the song is like what they say to each other as they're dying. It's super scary, weird. That's very scary. Yeah, and there's no chorus. And I remember being like seven years old listening to AM radio with my grandmother and I was like, what is this wonderful, terrifying story that's being told? Like that line, Lake Erie, it said, never gives up her dead. That's Ew. a pop song. That's all I, I got. I liked it. It was really, no, that was yeah, really it's all, good. It's all downhill from here. <laughs> I failed. I failed miserably. Okay. So here's, here's mine. But so, so the way that. <laughs> what was your, I got a boat, so I'm on a boat. 
I, so, like you're setting the scene, like the guy's on a boat, and the guy's like, I'm on a boat. I, it wasn't a good guess. <laughs> That's okay. It's early on. We just got here. You're a little nervous. It's warming up. We're yeah. warming up. Um, okay. So mine is like, the way I set it up is I put blanks in the middle of the sentence. Okay. Okay. So the lyric is, and you guys will probably know it, so don't say it. Um, okay. The lyric is, I just killed my blank, not the best idea. His blank blank is next. I just killed my mortgage agent. <laughs> okay, that's a good guess. I just killed my mortgage, mortgage agent. agent. This um, is like madly. Not the yeah. best idea. His blank blank is next. Oh, his branch manager. <laughs> It's not right, but I like it. Okay. What's the actual It's, lyric? I just killed my ex. Not the best idea. His new girlfriend's next. Wow. Inspired. It's from like the most popular song. It's from Kill Bill by SZA. Okay. You know SZA? I've seen pictures. She's great. I'm yeah. a very, very big fan. Okay. Well, that was fun. So... It's all Next, downhill from here, isn't it? No, yeah, it's yep. going to get worse. Um, Moby, do you remember when you wrote, you wrote this one song, and it's really, it's really sad. It's called Porcelain. Sure. So, A, are you okay? And what was <laughs> happening when you wrote the song? Okay, so the song Porcelain. Okay, let's, let's go back to the year is 1997. Mm-hmm. And I'm battling alcoholism. I'm battling drug addiction. My mother has just been admitted to hospice care with all sorts of cancers. Uh, I'm going broke. I've lost my record deal. So it was, it was a relatively dark time. And I was working on music that I never thought was going to be released. All the music that ended up being the album play. And I was making it in my bedroom. It was very lo-fi. And Porcelain was one of the songs I was working on. And this was the time of like Limp Biscuit and the Backstreet Boys and big, like Britney Spears, big, huge pop records. And here I am like this guy without a record deal making music in his bedroom. And I just assume no one's ever going to hear this. And I finished the album play and I left the song Porcelain off of the album because it didn't really have a chorus. It was, I didn't do a very good job mixing it. And then Eric, my manager, said, oh, you know, there were two songs I was going to leave off the record. Why Does My Heart Feel So Bad and Porcelain. Whoa. And Eric and my other manager at the time, Bar- well, Barry and Marcy, they were like, you know what? We think these are actually nice songs. Why not put them on the record? And lo and behold, they were right and I was wrong. <laughs> um, do you want to, should we play it? Yeah, you guys should play it. Is everyone having a pleasant time so far? Okay, good. This is my idea of touring. To do one show in a theater that doesn't have a name and not sell tickets. <laughs> so... <laughs> dreams I'm jealous all the time Then I wake up going out of my mind I never meant to hurt you I never meant to lie 
This is goodbye. This is goodbye. This is Maya, but I just realized I never—I didn't ask you how you want to be introduced. Yeah. This Maya? Yeah. Okay. That's Maya on cello. Hey, Maya. Um, that was a really good song. <laughs> um, okay, sometimes we do this on the podcast, but I thought it'd be fun to do right now is um, where Moby and I share our new favorite fact that we recently learned. I only have one. I only have one. Okay, so it'll okay. be quick. Yeah. Unlike that last bit. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Either way. I'll go first. So something I recently learned that really shocked me, Alfred Hitchcock had one terrible fear slash phobia. Do you know what it was? Squirrels. No. Eggs. He was terrified of eggs. He had ovophobia. Wow. Fully afraid of eggs. He thought everything about that. He didn't like that they were round. He didn't like that the, sh the, sh the way the shells were shaped. He didn't like what was inside of an egg. It like deeply upset him. Had like a severe phobia of eggs. It's, it's interesting because his head was sort of looked like an egg. <laughs> Don't tell him that. Okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, he has been dead for probably about 40 or 50 years. If but. he comes to haunt you, don't tell him that. So the fact that I have is, you know, the classic image of like the World War I fighter pilot. They always are wearing like a dashing scarf, mm -hmm. right? And just looks great. Like the World War I fighter pilot is out there being a fighter pilot and they're wearing their scarf. Do you know why they wore a scarf? No, because their necks were cold? To keep their necks from chafing because when they were flying, they had to constantly be looking all around them for other planes. 
So it was like this constant thing. Like when they're oh. flying, they're never looking straight ahead. They're looking up, down, all around. And if they didn't wear a, like a silk scarf, and as a vegan, I'm not advocating silk, but if they didn't wear some sort of very gentle scarf, their necks got incredibly chafed because their coats were made out of wool. Wow. So you'd think it's just like this dashing fashion accessory and it actually was very practical. It kept their necks from getting chafed from constantly looking around for attackers. I love the practicality. Yeah. It's a good fact. Were you looking up your fighter pilot information like you do sometimes? Uh, no, I don't remember. I, okay, I don't remember where I found that one. That's okay. Um, okay, so next I want to talk about another song, which was the theme song for a show, a Korean game show called The Genius. Was it? Which is where... They test social skills and they gamify social skills. This was the, th really? I have a but also it was the theme song for The Born Identity. <laughs> Eric, did you, Dave, do you guys know this? That this is the theme song for a Korean game show where they test oh social God. skills? Okay. It's real. I learned it on the internet. Yeah, yeah Eric, come on. <laughs> she heard, saw it on the internet and the internet has never once been wrong about anything. <laughs> um, it's sort of ironic that it's a show about social skills because I have none. I thought you'd like that. Yeah. <laughs> but you... When you wrote this song, I assume you had no idea the places it would go. Oh, no. This was a weird one because the album Play came out and it became this bizarre, baffling, huge hit. And so then we started making the next record, which became 18. And the big single from 18 was going to be this song, Extreme Ways. And we spent... Oh, God, can I? I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit it, but it's horrifying how much money we spent on the video. How much? $950,000. Oh. We rented. That's crazy. There's an Air Force base in the Mojave Desert. We rented an Air Force base to make the video. It, I mean, it's so stupid, and the video is so generic. And guess what? After spending all that time and money making the video, how many times did it get played? as many times as Tucker Carlson has been fired from Fox News once. Oh, you mean on like MTV? Yeah, got played once Whoa. on MTV after spending all that money and the record was getting bad reviews and the song came out and it did nothing. So basically the song was a failure. The video was a failure, the song was a failure and then somehow it got used in that first Born movie and it became sort of well-known from that. And then it got used in the second one, and then the third one, and then the fourth one. And so lo and behold, this weird failure of a song became quite well-known. And I guess the other sort of potentially interesting thing is when I wrote it, I was really out of control in terms of like drinking and doing drugs. And the song was very much self-involvedly prophetic about what was going on. Even though at the time I didn't want to look at how degenerate and dysfunctional and self-destructive I was. Are you, got, are you gonna, It's um, poetic. I, you're being facetious. No. Okay. I can never tell. It's a tell. cool story. Yeah. I don't, um, like I said, the Asperger's, I don't actually know social cues. I need, <laughs> I need, my, little, I need my little cheat sheet that shows facial expressions. Like, she's sad. Happy. Yeah. Do you want to play it? Sure. Do you want to play it? Cool. I'm going to go away now. Okay.
memories are back again Extreme places I didn't know I broke everything new again Everything that I'd owned I threw it out the windows, came along Extreme ways I know will part the colors of my sea All perfect coloring Extreme sounds that held me They held me out late at night Extreme places I had gone Never seen any light Dirty basements, dirty noise Dirty places coming through Extreme worlds alone Did you ever like it then? Oh, I would stand in line for this There's always room in life for this Oh, babe Oh, babe Then it fell apart fell apart Oh, babe Oh, babe Then it fell apart it fell apart Extreme sounds that told me They held me out late at night Well, I didn't have much to say I didn't give up the light I closed my eyes, I closed myself, I closed my world I'll never open up to anything that could get me at all I had to close down everything, I had to close down my mind Too many things could cut me, too much could make me blind I've seen so much in so many places So many heartaches, so many faces, so many dirty things couldn't believe Oh, I would stand in line for this There's always room in life for this Oh, babe Oh, babe Then it fell apart It fell apart Oh, babe Say my name was, I'll say it then. What you say my name was, I'll say it then. Well, I know I can't. Oh, I know I can't. Well, I know I can't find love, oh, babe. Oh, babe. Then it fell apart. Okay, what should we do now? Oh, I was about to take a jerky break. <laughs> I don't know if I'll actually do that right now, though. Where's it seems Bingo? like a weird time to 
it's, fake so jerky. It's fake jerky. Our well, friend Brett came in from. It's real jerky, just made from vegan ingredients. From nigh animals. Yeah. Um, <laughs> our friend Brett brought a ton of these from Texas, and you can take two when you leave, or three. They're out by the table, but this it, they're very, very good, and I want some now, but I won't. I'll have some self-restraint. So, I don't know. I think now it might be a good time for our a segment where we choose, we make each other compliment someone who's very bad or hard to compliment. Okay. So, mine, I usually just say a person when we do this, but I'm changing it to a group of people today. Okay, great. So, um, pay a compliment to a group of people who are hard to compliment. Yes, you. I would. I would like for you to compliment um, the Proud Boys. They're having some legal troubles oh, wait, right now. So you want? Oh, I thought I was going to pick someone for me to compliment. No, you have. I pick someone for you to compliment. Oh, That's what makes it hard. Okay, the Proud Boys. Yeah, the Proud Boys. Okay. So here's my compliment. In case you don't, don't know who the Proud Boys are, the Proud Boys are out of control, insane, racist. They were largely involved in the violence behind January 6th. And today they were, a bunch of them were arrested for seditious conspiracy. Um, or not, they were, they'd been arrested, they were convicted of seditious conspiracy. That's a big felony. So to sort of compliment the Proud Boys, what I would like, to, I'd like to compliment them for being so publicly terrible. <laughs> because... There are a lot of people who are terrible, but they're smart enough to not be terrible constantly and publicly. Yeah. Like in their case, they were terrible and violent and racist and homophobic and misogynistic in public. And so better the devil you know than the devil you don't. Like, like so I'd like to congratulate them for not being clever enough to figure out how to conceal the fact that they're awful. They're also very good at t- communicating. Oh, I mean, uh, to each other. <laughs> I just love all. There's this recurring thing of like, oh, so it's my the person I'm going to ask you to compliment. Yeah, is Tucker Carlson. <laughs> I because mean, just just as an aside, look. So them, Tucker Carlson and the Proud Boys, what they have in common is texting things. To no one, like, come on, keep it like inside voice. S- write it down on a piece of paper that you can burn. <laughs> like all these people sending, or just call. Yeah, call or just be like, you know, oh, maybe I shouldn't text my boss or my friends this incredibly racist thing that's going to come back and lead to me getting fired or thrown in jail. Well, in fairness to him, he did very well off of being kind of a terrible, racisty, misogynist person. But to compliment him, I guess I would have to say he had a great sense of showmanship. You know, he put on a show. People liked it. There's actually an animal rights compliment for Carl. What is it? Really? Gene Bauer, who owns Farm Sanctuary, started runs Farm it, Sanctuary. Yeah. started it. And he gave Gene Bauer the stage, and he summarized what Gene was saying, and Gene in classic fashion was outstanding, and he said, well, no one would agree with hurting animals, so absolutely, we don't want this, these, hmm. these conditions aren't acceptable. So go ahead, it was maybe five years, maybe five That's years an amazing, ago. that's a, I didn't know that. Okay, so. that's really cool, apparently... Yeah, okay, so we'll go back and we'll watch Tucker Carlson Carlson interviewing Gene Bauer. But maybe it was, was it a long time ago? I want to say four years. Because, you know, Jerry Springer, who also recently died, before he went, like, crazy, like, my dad is my brother um, type of stuff, he did kind of sweet things. My sister was on Jerry Springer, like, in the first season. And 
it was because he did like a reuniting um, high school sweethearts. He was doing adorable stuff in like his first season, and then he realized like, oh, this isn't really working. He was actually mayor of Cincinnati or something. Jerry Springer? Yeah, yes, yeah Jerry Springer was mayor of Cincinnati. Yeah. So okay, so so I guess it's your compliment to Tucker Carlson that he had Gene Bauer on his show and yes, said no, nice that's thing. that's my that's okay. my compliment to him. I mean, it doesn't make up for everything else he did, which is horrifying. But sure, that's one thing that's worthy of we can compliment him for. Do you know what's also weird? Like he and Hunter Biden were good friends. You know, like Hunter Biden, who's a dear friend of mine, helped Tucker's son get into school. And Tucker wrote him this really nice note, like, you're such a mensch. Thank you so much. So clearly it's all showmanship, all these right-wing lunatics. Like it's just an act because it generates numbers and it makes them rich. And meanwhile, the rubes who support them don't know that they're being lied to. Okay, so next I wanted to talk about a little something. One, You made one of my favorite music videos ever. And it was in 2002. Uh-oh. And it had so many people and so many places that are like L.A. famous. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so the video for We're All Made of Stars. Yeah. Okay, so should, do you want to talk about that? Because it was very, it was at the time... Very strange and very interesting. Yeah, like how did you pick those people? How did that happen? So the director, Joseph Kahn, he had made the original video for Southside. Mm -hmm. And I came to him and I was like, hey, we've got this new song. Do you want to make a video for it? And he had this idea. I guess he was walking down Hollywood Boulevard. And this would have been in 2001. I mean, Hollywood Boulevard is still scummy. But boy, oh boy, back in 2001, if anyone remembers, it was just like... You would get syphilis just walking on the street, basically. And <laughs> true fact. And and he was looking at the stars, and the song's called We're All Made of Stars, and he was like, oh, so many people have been damaged by or during their time in Los Angeles. And he wanted to make a video that was this glamorous, super stylized video about people who've been damaged by L.A. And so Cato Kalin, Tommy Lee Dave Navarro, um, and then some weird ones like Sean Bean. Uh, Vern Troyer. Vern Troyer was Gary in it. Gary, Gary, oh, that was one of the weirdest moments. Mm-hmm. Is So and I'm, the whole time in the video, I'm just wearing a regulation NASA space suit. Yeah, the whole thing, and it's also super hot outside, so like it's very uncomfortable. Like these are spacesuits that are designed for space. And I'm wearing it in Los Angeles when it was 95 degrees outside. And so I'm like sweating and itchy and it's terrible but I had to wear my spacesuit because it looked good. And the last shot we did was in a weird diner with Todd Bridges and Gary Coleman from Different Strokes, both of whom I believe are now dead. But like, I kept trying to like engage them in conversation, like, hey, thank you guys for doing this. It was a money gig for them. And like, I was like, I grew up watching Different Strokes, you know, like, and I was just trying to make them feel respected and feel welcome. They were just, they were there to like be in the video, get their paycheck, and then leave. But Corey Feldman is in the video, and he and I exchanged numbers and sort of stayed in touch a little bit. Corey Feldman was a huge teen idol in the 80s. I believe he was in Goonies. I'm not sure. I could be mistaken. And so every now and then, like every couple of years, just like a little check, like a text to check in. Hey, how's it going? So do you remember when the, the Supreme Court nominee... Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh. So when Brett Kavanaugh went before the Senate, who was the woman who accused him of sexual harassment? Oh God, I can't. I remember I want to say Christine Blasey now. Ford, but is that is that Christine, right? Christine, that sounds right to me. Okay, so during the hearings, if you remember, 
at one point it looked like his nomination was in jeopardy. And so I texted my old dear friend Cory Booker and said, wow, it doesn't look good for Brett Kavanaugh. Like it really seems like her testimony is getting through. And turns out I was texting to Corey Feldman. <laughs> and he, he texted back and he was like, okay, what? And I was like, uh, I was like, you're sitting right there. I can see you on C-SPAN. Like you're, and I was texting to a different Corey. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I like imagining he sends back some like fully detailed response to the whole situation. Well, but no, that's so okay. So Cory Booker, just as an aside, because I've known Cory since before he became mayor of Newark. He's such a saint. The, he, the moment he was elected to the Senate, because he's the only vegan senator, he texted me and he said, what can we do to help animals? First thing he did, like as far as his commitment to veganism and animal rights, like it is so solid. And he's such a kind, decent person. Yeah. We love Cory Booker here. Yeah. Um, so, oh wait, but so also when you were doing, when the video came out, weren't you like on tour with David Bowie? Oh, so yeah. Okay. So here, wow, this story just gets so much more convoluted and elaborate. So the tour started and I did this in 2001, I did a tour called Area One with Outcast and New Order and a whole bunch of different people. And then in 2002, I did Area 2 with David Bowie and Busta Rhymes and Blue Man Group and a bunch of DJs. So I was on tour with David Bowie. And the weirdest thing, as some of you might know, is that I was the headliner. David Bowie got paid more, and clearly he was the real headliner, but he wanted to go on before me. I think we've talked about this even on the podcast. He wanted to go on before me so he could leave earlier and beat traffic. (laughs) But yeah, so this was this, the summer of 2002 and playing this song every night. And it, it's very much inspired by growing up listening to David Bowie and Quantum Mechanics. Do you want to play it? Sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I can't fight the future Can't fight what I see Cause people they come together People they fall apart No one can stop us now Stars, efforts of lovers left in my mind. I sing in the reaches, we'll see what we find. Cause people they come together. No one can stop us now Cause we are all made of stars
feel it in me Growing in numbers Growing in peace As people they come together People they fall apart No one can stop us now Cause we are all made of stars Yeah, people they come together People they fall apart No one can stop us now we are all made of stars Cause we are all made of stars We are all made of stars Cause we are all made of stars Cause we are all made of stars So we have a listener question. One of our listeners sent us a message and he asked us why we started a podcast and it didn't feel malicious. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a chance it was, but it felt kind. So I thought we'd answer it why we started a podcast. He wasn't like, why would you do this? Well, I mean, it is. It's a very valid question because I believe at last count there are approximately 18 billion podcasts on the planet. It reminds me of an old Simpsons joke when Homer Simpson discovers a friend of his who's running a counterfeit jeans ring. And the guy who's running the counterfeit jeans ring says something like, you know, I looked at an overcrowded market and I said, me too. And here we are. (laughs) Yeah. But the reason is Lindsay and I have been friends for quite a while and we love talking to each other. We love getting a chance. Like our friend Jen is up there. We got a chance to sit down and talk to Jen. We talked to Dan Butner a couple weeks ago. It's a chance to have really meaningful conversations with each other and to be completely ridiculous, but also Mm -hmm. to have like conversations with people we've never met or have super in-depth conversations with friends of ours. We noticed that when you're at a party or a dinner or something, you don't really get to be like, tell me everything about you from birth to now. (laughs) And the podcast, we kind of actually get to do that. And like, you know, what drives you and what are you most passionate about, which isn't always the easiest thing to ask at a dinner party. And also to, to to sit back and listen, like to have conversations where like when the other person's speaking, you listen which is not my strong suit because I'm such a loudmouth narcissist. But (laughs) to sit back and actually let people speak and have like meaningful, in-depth conversations. And so it's wonderful. Like I love that we've started this weird podcast. And also, I mean, the main goal is to address interesting issues. Like there are a lot of podcasts out there that are just lighthearted for the sake of lighthearted. That's great. Which is great. A lot of podcasts that just focus on celebrity stuff. That's also fine. But like, why not? Use an, if you have an opportunity to have in-depth, meaningful conversations, why not have in-depth, meaningful conversations? Especially in our case, if we can always kind of try and bring it back to like animal rights, because that's the, the 
underlying driver, at least for me and for both, I'm going to lump you in this as well. Sure, like, yeah, no, lump Like me. trying to like constantly, like in whatever way we can, bring things back to all of the horrible consequences of using animals for food and fashion. See, you just did it again. Yeah. Did it again. Um, but also, we get to talk about whatever we want, whenever we want, which brings me to my next question. So, Moby, <laughs> something I've noticed about you and your career, as I'm sure many of the people here can attest, is that you don't stick to a single genre. You have done many different genre types in your career, and some of most of it has gone pretty well. But I think a lot of people stick to a genre. They have their reasons. I'm not going to name names. Um, but you don't. You're kind of fearless in that way. Why? Uh, well, it's interesting because it's definitely caused a lot of confusion over the years. You know, in the early 90s when I was making techno records, I then made my first album, Everything is Wrong, which has ballads on it and some classical compositions and some very quiet songs and some punk rock songs. And I remember some of the people I worked with were completely almost bummed out by it because <laughs> they saw an opportunity to make a techno record at a time when techno records were selling really well. And the easiest way to lose an audience is to confuse an audience. And I'm kind of amazed that I've ever had an audience because I've certainly confused people a lot. And simply, and I wish I had a more in-depth, well-thought-out answer, but it's just, it's the love of all these different types of music. Like, I just don't know anyone in the world who really only loves one type of music. Mm -hmm. So in turn, why would a musician only play one type of music? Like, it just seems so weirdly arbitrarily restricted and limiting. It's, it makes career-wise a lot easier. You know, like if you're a heavy metal band and you only play heavy metal, it certainly makes it a lot easier to go on tour and not confuse your fans. But didn't it worry you? Weren't you afraid of confusing people? No. And I don't think, but I don't think that's courage or fearlessness. I guess fearlessness and courage are sort of ideally the same thing. But I don't think it's that. I think it's just a weird thing that was instilled in me as a child is like adherence to principle. You know, all, most of my heroes are people who adhered to principle, even if it ended up costing them popularity, even if it ended up being really, you know, complicating their careers. But like, why, like, why compromise principles in the interest of commerce if you can avoid it? I mean, some people can't avoid it. That's fine. But like principles are so much more interesting and so much more meaningful. I just don't understand why people are so quick to, to throw their principles under the bus. Like, I've, I've done it. I've thrown some principles under the bus, but not the things that are truly important to the core of me. I don't know if that relates to genre at all, or I just am like a self-involved rambling on about self-aggrandizing commitment to principles. No, no, I feel inspired. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I but actually, but actually I kind of do. She's being facetious. No, no, I actually yeah. am. I actually am. I love okay. that about you. I think it's a rare thing. It's also, I mean, growing up in the punk rock world, punk rock's all about principles. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the, the weird question, maybe some people know, the architect Mies van der Rohe. Anyone? Okay, one person. Um, so <laughs> Mies van der Rohe is one of the sort of the giants, one of the godfathers of modern architecture. And I believe he had this wonderful 
quote slash idea, which is sort of looking at the difference between form and function. If you've ever heard the expression form versus function. Mm -hmm. And we live in a culture where people are primarily obsessed with the form of things. An example would be punk rock. You know, people who are obsessed with the form of punk rock, which is white guys screaming and playing guitars, wearing torn t-shirts. That's fine. But the function of punk rock was skepticism and questioning and integrity. And I just think the function of expression is a lot more interesting usually than the form of expression. Okay, I'll stop Words now. to live by. <laughs> yeah. No, but actually. Um, so speaking of this, do you, do you want to play a song called Slipping Away? Sure. Okay. Um, so this is a, a, a song that weirdly was a giant hit in France. I've had a lot of weird giant hits in France. <laughs> Very strange. I don't speak French. I don't know what happened. I guess I spent a lot of time there. And eventually they were like, well, he's spending a lot of time here. Might as well give him a hit record. The French have good taste. Yeah. And this song, is it was never a hit anywhere else. No one else would know it. But it's one of my favorite, uh, self-involvedly, one of my favorite songs I've ever written. Okay, I'm excited. I'm going to go away. It's a very sad song. <laughs> All that we needed was right The threshold is breaking tonight Open to everything happy and sad Seeing the good when it's all going bad Seeing the sun when I can't really see Hoping the sun will at least look at me I focus on everything better today All that I needed I never could say Hold on to people that's slipping away Hold on to this while it's slipping away All that we needed tonight People who love us and lie I know how it feels to need Oh, when we leave here, you'll see Open to everything happy and sad Seeing the good when it's all going bad Seeing the sun when I can't really see Hoping the sun will at least look at me I focus on everything better today All that I needed I never could say Hold on to people they're slipping away To everything happy and sad Seeing the good when it's all going bad Seeing the sun when I can't really see Hoping the sun will at least look at me I 
focus on everything better today All that I needed I never could say Hold on to people they're slipping away 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 Hold on to this while it's slipping away Um, okay, so all of these songs from tonight are going to be on uh, Resound NYC, which comes out tomorrow. May 12th, right? May 12th, yes. Yeah. Resound NYC comes out Whereas today on May 12th. is May 4th, which is your Star Wars Star Wars, Wars Day. Oh, but, <laughs> you know. Um, I bring that up. Because I just wanted to talk for a minute about Deutsche Grammophon. Sure. And you made this with them. So Deutsche Grammophon is like, the, I think, the oldest label. The oldest record label in the world. And they do a ton of classical stuff. If you saw Tar, they're talking about Deutsche Grammophon up in Tar. Um, <laughs> but they're like the oldest, most venerated label in the world. And you made this album. You've made now two albums That's with correct. them. So what's what was that? Was that fun? <laughs> it's wonderful, but it's completely baffling. You'll notice if you're listening, you wouldn't know this, but if you're watching, um, we made little cushions for Bagel and Lucy, and Bagel has a little bed, and sometimes Lucy and Bagel get competitive. So you'll notice Lucy has smushed herself into Bagel's bed <laughs> simply to prevent Bagel from sleeping in her bed. Like, it's just it's a dick move. comfort and spite. Yeah. Um, Lucy, I love you very much, but you're definitely, like, <laughs> cock-blocking bagel from her Aww. bed. So, Deutsche Grammophon. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, let's go way back with a little bit of context. The year is 1985. Way back. Ronald Reagan was president, sadly, in his second term. And I was living in an abandoned factory in a crack neighborhood. Uh, I had no running water and no heat, and I was DJing in a dive bar, getting $20 a night, and I was also working in a record store, and one of my jobs at the time was putting away records. And I remember when, like, a Deutsche Grammophon record would come in, I would take it out of the box, and I felt almost like that scene in Spinal Tap where, like, um, Nigel Tufnell says, don't even look at the guitar. <laughs> like, the Deutsche Grammophon records were so fancy, I was like... I I live in an abandoned factory. I shouldn't even be touching this record. But I would touch it and I'd put it away and be like, what is this fancy European classical music label with the big yellow logo? And then lo and behold, years later, I got asked to make an orchestral record with Deutsche Grammophon. And I immediately thought of like living in an abandoned factory, not bathing. To be fair, I still don't bathe. But um, often. I bathe today. <laughs> Big, yeah, day. big it's day. A, it's a wash day. Big day. Yeah, it's a washing day. <laughs> <laughs> so 
very long-winded way of saying I can't believe that I'm able to make records with Deutsche Grammophon and make these idiosyncratic orchestral records that involve a lot of classical instruments. So yes, it's remarkable, and I get to work with all these fascinating singers like Gregory Porter and Amethyst Kia. On the last record, I have a duet between Mark Lanigan and Chris Christofferson, which is just one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. And I can say that because I'm not either one of them. I wasn't singing. <laughs> but boy, oh boy, I challenge you to listen to The Lonely Night with Mark Lanigan and Chris Christofferson and not cry. Yeah, it's a be- I love that song. I even played it for a friend of mine who I don't think has ever cried, and she cried the first time she heard it. Wow. Um, I think Bagel, do you, want, do you want to make a joke? And I'll, I'm going to go see what Bagel wants. Well, why don't, why don't you? Well, oh, uh, I get it. Why don't we play a song? You play a song, and I'm going to go do that. that. Okay. <laughs> okay. What song should we play? Oh, will you please play Run On? Oh, okay. And then we can talk about it afterwards. Okay. Um, my, you don't play on this one, do you? No. Okay. What do you want to do? You want to hang out? I'm or? Okay. Yeah, I have a little shaker in my... Oh, cool. In my okay. Um, so the version that's on Resound NYC... Liz, do you mind if I tell the story? Oh, I, I love the story. Okay, so I'll, you're going to go feed Bagel. I think maybe she'll... Okay. So Danielle Ponder is this wonderful singer um, who I heard a couple of years ago. I think Dave, who's sitting back there, I don't know if Dave, you first introduced me to her, but she's got this amazing voice, and I desperately wanted to do a song with her and so we agreed to do run on and I recorded the orchestra and I recorded the brass section and the percussion and the drums and the bass and everything I had this huge production and arrangement and then the week before we were supposed to record she sent me a recording that she made of her dad her dad is 89 years old and very ill and when she told him she was going to do run on he said oh I remember that song he used to sing it when he was a little boy down south And so he's in his hospital bed and she held her iPhone up to him and he sang Run On. And it was so powerful, I threw away everything I had done and I rewrote the song around his 89-year-old hospital room iPhone vocals. So the version on Resound NYC is very austere, based around, she's singing, she's doing a duet with her dad, but his vocals, if you listen to them, they're just, they're chilling and remarkable and recorded into an iPhone in a hospital room. My version has nothing that makes it even nearly that special. (laughs) But still a really fun song to play. Lord God Almighty, let me tell the news My head got wet in a midnight dew Great God, I've been down on my bended knees Talking to the man from Galilee Michael spoke and it sounds so sweet Thought I heard the shuffle of angels' feet They put one hand upon my head Great God Almighty, let me tell you what he said Tell that lonesome liar Tell that midnight rider Tell a gambling, rambling backslider Tell him God Almighty gonna cut you down You might have run on for a long time Run on, ducking and dodging Run on, children, for a long time Let me tell you, God Almighty gonna cut you down You might throw your rock, hide your head Work in the dark with your fellow man Show his God made you rich and poor You gonna reap just what you sow You better run on for a long time Run on, ducking and dodging Run on, children, for a long time Let me tell you, God Almighty gonna cut you down now 
cut them down now Some people go to church just to signify Try to make a date with your neighbor's wife Brother, let me tell you, just as sure as you're born You better leave that woman alone Go tell that lonesome liar Tell that midnight rider Tell a gambling, rambling backslider Tell them God Almighty gonna cut them down You might have run on for a long time Run on Ducking and dodging, run on children for a long time. Let me tell you, God Almighty gonna cut you down. Run on for a long time, run on. Ducking and dodging, run on children for a long time. Let me tell you, God Almighty gonna cut you down now. That was some pretty good shaker playing. <laughs> By the way, I bathed earlier, but you can't tell. It's good thing no one's sitting there. Me. I stink. Why do I stink? Nerves. You smell great from here. <laughs> yeah. This is a good proximity. It's just anxiety. By the way, I just got to ask because I'm insecure. Is everyone having a nice time? Okay. That was a leading question. What I should have said is, how are you guys doing? Then you'd be like, oh, not great. But, <laughs> okay. Oh, by the way, little funny fact about this song. It's the only thing I really have in common with Jimi Hendrix is we both had one and only one top 10 single. For him, it was Purple Haze. For me, it's Southside. Obviously, his song was a lot better. Uh, but it's also a funny song because it was just like, people are like, man, that's such a happy song. It's like, actually, it's written about a, post-apocalyptic future where life has no meaning. <laughs> but I guess that makes for happy beach cello music. <laughs> Ready? Okay. Watch a line move across the screen I watch a light come over me Here we are now going to the east side I pick up my friends and we start to ride Ride on night chair, ride on day
Maya. I don't quite remember what we decide to do for this next part. Are you playing a solo? Do you want to? You can play. I mean, it'd be a little weird for me to play a solo on acoustic guitar, right? I mean, or I could just be. A, it could be like a situationist um, solo designed to make people uncomfortable. Okay. Like something like. Oh, we can go. Let's go sort of like twelve-tone dissonant. Okay. Okay. Ready? So yeah. here's the here's our like twelve-tone. Imagine you're watching like cable access in Eastern Europe in 1974. <laughs> ready? Okay. Back to the chorus. Yeah. With the chorus representing American imperialism after we just had our little sojourn in the world of rejecting bourgeois mores and values. One, two, three, four. Here we are now going to the north side. I pick up my friends and we start to ride. Ride all night, yeah, we ride all day. My choice to get up and leave every time you guys really <laughs> it feels right when I'm doing it but I don't know if it actually um, we have some decisions to make here because we're very close to being done okay yeah while we're here any questions I mean like we've never done this in front of an audience before any comments that are not malicious um, or I guess we can edit it out yes ma'am where do you usually do your podcast is it at home or in another studio yeah so I live by Griffith Park um, Lindsay lives a couple of blocks away, and sometimes we do the podcast outside on my deck, but as Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, will tell you, there are a lot of leaf blowers out in the world, <laughs> and, <laughs> and they're very noisy. So when, you, when we tried to record outside, it's so noisy, and it makes, like, suddenly, like, you start understanding, like... It, it gets bad. And so we decided, not surprisingly, to take it into a real recording studio, which luckily I have. So we do it in that, that – what a long-winded answer. We do it at my house in my recording studio. Cool. Yeah. Any other comments, thoughts? Yes, sir? 
oh, the results of the Ed Sheeran trial. Do you know what's interesting? Um, I actually got two pieces, and I don't mean to in any way be glib or dismiss the question. I got two pieces of Ed Sheeran news today. One, I, I hate to admit this, I've never heard an Ed Sheeran song. Except You're for really the one, missing out. Except for the one, he, didn't he sing one on Game of Thrones? Yeah, that was weird. I think weird. briefly he sang a little and ditty. And that movie, the Danny Boyle movie, I saw him there. But there were two articles, one about him spending $30,000 a month on a rental in Brooklyn and the other about him having a court case. And confront, I'm so shallow, confronted with these two articles, I read the one about his apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> Looks very pretty. Must For $30,000 a month, it's got to be pretty nice. So I, I, don't think- know, I don't know anything about the court case except that he has a weird haircut I think he said if he lost he would stop making music but he won so we get more more Ed Sheeran songs okay yay <laughs> I apologize for having never actually heard an Ed Sheeran song okay one one more question yes yeah. yes ma'am sure yeah wow um what a wonderful question and I guess because by dint of the fact that I'm old I guess I'm qualified sort of to answer that question. Like advice on for, for creatives, for and it's one thing that Lindsay and I really love talking to people about. Like our friend Lisa Edelstein was on the show and we wanted to talk to her about her creative process because she's been, you know, acting and painting and doing writing theater pieces for a very long time. And it's that question, like what sustains people? Because, you know, it doesn't matter. They're going to be low moments. You know, those moments when people hate you or dislike you or dismiss you. You know, the moments when you're financially struggling. And like on one hand, I can only say what's worked for me because I can't be so presumptuous as to say that I have a prescription for everyone. Like obviously everyone has different socioeconomic circumstances. Everyone has different all sorts of different circumstances. For me, I absolutely love what I do and I don't know how to do anything else. And I think like the stupidest thing you can do is to not have a fallback plan, but the best thing you can do is to not have a fallback plan. Because so many people will be like, oh, I'm gonna try to make it as a writer and if it doesn't work, I'll go back to selling commercial real estate or something like that, which is so smart, but it means that when things don't work out, you're gonna go back to selling commercial real estate. Whereas like for me, the myriad times when things didn't work out, I had no fallback plan. So I was like, well, things aren't working out. I guess I just have to keep going. And I don't advise it, but in hindsight, it it worked. Like not knowing how to do anything else can be a bonus if it works out for you. And also being comfortable living in an abandoned factory. Like when once you've been once you've lived in an abandoned factory in a cracked neighborhood and you don't have heat or running water or a bathroom and you're making two thousand dollars a year and you're peeing into like bottles that you find in the garbage, you're kind of okay with almost anything, you know? You can, you could do anything. You can kill somebody and pee in a bottle. Yeah, I mean there was a lot of people. It sounds very of, free. Yeah, I found it. Uh, not surprisingly, Lindsay, you're going to be surprised to hear this. I didn't really have much of a dating life when I lived in the abandoned factory. I, Shocking. For the life of me, I can't figure out why no one wanted to date a man who never bathed and made $2,000 a year and lived in an abandoned factory in a crack neighborhood. Like, what a, what a catch I was back then. Really missed opportunity for the ladies, <laughs> the factory ladies. Um, so, okay, so before we go, so one thing, I mean, understand we're talking, this podcast, we're sort of talking about Resound NYC and other things, but I do sometimes feel guilty that like I'm on the receiving end of too much of our focus and attention. Well, you're about to have an album come out on May 12th. So that's very exciting. And so that's, 
the next live podcast, I'll tell you all of my, you know, tales from the Texas backwater times where we made dinner out of sticks. <laughs> but not today. Um, but Okay, so we're going to go out on a try we're going to try and go out on a big finale, right? Yeah, yeah, we're going to have a big finale, but everyone is going to sing along, which I think is going to be really fun. Yeah, and you might be thinking to yourself, "Well, not me." Wrong. You Okay, no, honestly, you have a choice. We don't want to be tyrants. Um, I do, ultimately, <laughs> but I pretend I don't. Um, did I just say that out loud? You did. Oh, sorry. Okay, I feel like I missed my opportunity to be like a cult leader or a tyrant. There's still time. Yeah, but it's a lot of work. It's true. It's true. Um, so, okay, so this is a song that I did with Wayne Coyne. Uh, a while ago, and it's there's a version on Resound NYC. Ricky Wilson from Kaiser Chiefs, we do a duet on Southside and also this song, Perfect Life. And the version on Resound NYC is just this big, crazy celebratory horn solos. Yeah. So I'd like to try and channel that energy, and that involves doing a sing-along. This might not work, but we're going to give it a try. Okay? You can also clap. Yeah. And sing at the same time if you want to do that. And so um, the chorus goes a little bit like this. Oh, try it with me. Oh, oh. we close our eyes. The perfect life, something like that, is all we need. So I just want to be clear. You can choose to not sing along, but that's kind of be like publicly admitting that you've given up on joy. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to publicly confess to the world, because this is being recorded, um, that you don't have a capacity for joy, then that's fine. Sad, but fine. Okay. Thank you guys for coming to our first ever live Moby Pod. Yeah. Um, oh, and don't forget... When you leave to grab um, a bunch of vegan jerkies from our friend Brett at All Y'Alls because it's really delicious and you'll be happy about it. Yep. Okay, so remember the chorus that you're going to sing? Yes. Great. Okay. And Lindsay, you have to sing too. Well, I'm going to sing. Okay. I have joy. Yeah, you have a great voice. Thanks. Okay. Okay, ready? And if you have some, something that makes noise, a shaker, whatever, just like whatever you want to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to keep stopping the song. Perfect life is all we need. I'll sing the verse now, okay? You open up when you had me in your hand, slipping far away with the world at your command. You sing me to sleep and then you hit me awake in a perfect life perfect life i only want to be here when you're by my side 
Life, everybody now. Oh, we close our eyes. The perfect life is all we need. Second verse. Well, little Mikey steps everywhere. He's got knives in his pockets and bullets in his hair. He has nothing to live for, nothing left to say. He's locking all the doors to keep the older wolves at bay. Spoons and foil are all he needs. A bed and some china, a lighter and some speed. It will sing you to sleep and it will hit you awake in a perfect life. Perfect life, everybody now. Oh, we close our eyes. The perfect life is all we Let's do it really quiet. Real quiet. Oh, sounds great. We close our eyes. The perfect bagel is all we need. Okay, even quieter. Scared bagel is gonna get loud. Everybody! Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you, Maya. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Okay. Bye, everybody.